0: G'day everyone and welcome to this week's guest, Jeremy Delacarve. Jeremy, how are you, mate?
1: Good. How you doing, buddy?
0: Really good. I'm, I'm really glad to have you on. We've known each other a couple of years now and yeah. been through some some pretty cool uh, ups and downs and I'm, I'm loving hearing all the stories about you now and sitting up in Puerto Rico. So tell us a little bit about how you end up going from Brooklyn, New York to Puerto Rico and why that's uh, such a big, important change for you?
1: Uh, Well, I visited a few times and I liked it. And there was a few things like I really liked about it that uh, from New York, you don't got to do customs like when you go out of the country so the flight doesn't take forever. Uh, They use dollars, which makes it easy. If you ever go to Mexico, they mess about with you with the peso. They give you pesos but take your dollars and I didn't like that. Yeah, And from New York, the flight's like three hours and 15 minutes. So I'm in the Caribbean, what everybody calls on vacation. And I spend most of my time there. And my friends and family still consider me on vacation (laughs) and ask me, how's my trip? And I'm like, uh, it's not a trip anymore, but people just don't get it. But uh, it doesn't matter to me whether they do or not. I just starting to transition down there. I have ties here that I go back and forth now but eventually that's what I'm going to do and I'm very happy when I'm down there the weather's Love great every day you know I have a friend and I used to always ask her like when I was in New York how's the weather and she would always be like uh, fine and then when I spent a lot of time down there nobody asks about the weather because it's 80 something degrees every day <laughs> yeah, I put on shorts and a t-shirt without checking the weather and I go outside I haven't been cold once Brilliant. the place is an island you get all you can get from one end to the other maybe like three and a half hours so you can really go all over beaches obviously ton of beaches and another thing i learned about puerto rico is the rivers and i used to love the beach and now i love the rivers even more you just park your car on the side of the road maybe there's a guy that says hey five dollars for the pocket car watch it okay and then you just go down to the river, no gates, no fences, no do this, no do that. You just go and you're on your own and you're in these rivers. And I've been in on the waterfalls, down natural slides, in natural pools and it's great. And the water is just, I, you know, they joke around about the fountain of youth and it's not the fountain of youth, but there's something about this water. Like I've gone there a few times tired and played or messed around in the water for an hour, two hours, and you walk out not tired. Amazing. So there's something about that. They call it sweet water, which it's obviously not sweet, but you have the salt water, so the opposite is sweet water. And it's really, really nice.
0: Yeah, it's like a throwback to, like, 40, 50 years, maybe longer now when when the rivers were clean. and Clean,
1: not like uh, I brought my son – for a little bit and we went to a river and last year we went to a river in delaware and there's signs everywhere don't go in the river don't do this don't do that here's a fence pay 25 hours and i was like wait till you come to puerto rico because what do you mean i said it's not like this and we went to like three different rivers you park your car like i said five dollars to the guy because it's on his property and legally they can't charge you for a river to use it because every nobody could own a river But he owns a property around it, so he charges you five dollars to park your car. Okay? And you're there for hours. yeah. And we were just going, and he's just like, you know, you're right that I'm like, yeah, it's not like the U.S. You know, here, we went to a beach that has an old broken down pier that you can walk down and jump off of. There's piers in Coney Island and Brooklyn that there's fences, and people jump off and sue the city when they get hurt, even though there's already a fence there. (laughs) Like, it's just, you know what I mean? People, I understand why they do that because people just can't be responsible for themselves and they want to blame everybody for their decisions. But there, it's like, there's the river. If you get hurt, have your friends carry it. Like, you know, it's just, at least that's how it seems to me.
0: 100%. I want to come back to uh, lifestyle in Puerto Rico, but you said something there that we've talked about before, which is that taking responsibility. And uh, even before we jumped on, you, you talked about how, it's so important for you to not worry about what other people might be doing, but you're actually taking responsibility to do whatever needs to be done to set up your life, how you want it to be. So what is the big motivator for making that a big priority in your life?
1: I don't know where that originated from, but like, I guess I've noticed as I've gotten older that a lot of people don't take responsibility for themselves. And, you know, somebody close to my family is in a situation now they're not happy about. They're older and they're not happy about their situation. And I clearly think in my mind, well, what got you there? Yeah. You're not responsible for all the years that led you to where you are. And that's what I mean by being responsible for your actions. Just like, you know, understand that you make your choices and live with them, but don't try to, bump them off because of this or because of that or this one that this this one that you got to take ownership of what you choose to do good or bad how it works out and i think when you do that you can sort of helps you get to where you want to go because you can make a mistake and you don't blame 30 people and then you know make another mistake that you take blame for it and then you try to rethink how could i do this better and when you start blaming outside um uh, Things you don't take ownership of it, so you don't take the time to say, Hey, I messed up here. What could I do to do this better?
0: Love it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where you get your power back, right? Like, if you if you continually blame the other people, you're giving your power away.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I think I used to do that when I was younger, and maybe even in my 20s, and I don't know where the change came over, and maybe I still do it now. I'm you know, I'm not perfect, but yeah. I try to make a conscious decision not to i try to be responsible for my choices and decisions good or bad successful unsuccessful whatever
0: yeah and and what i love one of those decisions and choices is prioritizing lifestyle and so creating this
1: well you helped me a lot with that one because you know i told you what i wanted to do and i was basically going to wait and in our conversations and you suggested, and you know you suggested like try to do both take care of your priorities now and you can't do exactly what you want but maybe you could do what you have to do and want to do and also do other things you want to do and that's you know from our talks that's when i got the idea well maybe it's possible and that's what i did
0: love it and uh it gives me great joy to see you creating Absolutely. that as well I wouldn't,
1: if it wasn't the truth i wouldn't say
0: it yeah love it and one of the key things is you've taken the action like it's all well and good for someone to make suggestions but unless you actually go and do it and that's what I've loved is like hearing all the stories where you've just gone and made things happen from you know you've uh in flipping houses and and now setting stuff up in Puerto Rico so what is it about having that balance well actually maybe let's look at it this way what was life before like before when there just wasn't that balance when you were working a nine to five or whatever it was? And not um, happy. Yeah,
1: not happy. I'm I'm divorced. I have three kids, When I'm with my kids. I'm happy. I mean, it feels short sometimes. Uh, when you see them every other weekend, you put pressure on yourself like you got to have a great time because you got to squeeze everything in, you know. But you genuinely, for me, I genuinely enjoy sp- seeing them, spending time with them. But the other times I didn't want to be where I was. And I'm not just talking about my physical location, the job I was doing, uh, a lot of people I was around and I was basically biding my time. And even what I said, you suggested do both. Prior to that, I have a good friend of mine in Florida and we talk all the time. And I used to tell him, excuse me, when, you know, when I'm 55, you know, I can do what I want and just get a sip. <coughs> That's water. So uh and he used to be like, "Bro, you know, you might not want to wait. Who knows what can happen, you know? How could you do it now and stuff?" And he had a point, but I really didn't do anything cuz I sort of felt stuck. And you know, things a couple things turned my way and you know, I got motivated to a certain extent for different reasons and Instead of waiting to start what I called my life, what I wanted to do, because you know having when you get divorced and you have the kids, you sort of do what you have to do, yeah you know I, I never wanted not to have my kids live with me full time, but I just couldn't s- stay in that situation full time like I couldn't so it, it it's nice to be doing what I want to do but also doing what I have to do, which I, I don't have to see my children. I want to see them too. So I wouldn't say I have to do, you know, I'm doing what I want on all fronts.
0: Yeah. Love it. And I, I was absolutely in that trap myself of like waiting till later and, you know, let's like set ourselves up for a time and all those sorts of things. And then when my dad passed away, when he was 64, I'm like, oh.
1: Yeah. He waited I, till he was 63.
0: Yeah. That could yeah, a lot happen.
1: Of people do that, yeah. And yeah, not yeah. knocking your dad, but you know what I mean.
0: Well, I mean, thankfully, he retired at 57, but it's still a short period of time, and it's like we we putting all our eggs in that basket, and it's like, no, we've we got to live now. So the fact that you've prioritized it, man, I want to come live in Puerto Rico. That, that temperature, like Sydney's cold at the moment. And,
1: uh... It's nice, man. <laughs> Even in, in their winters, it'll be like, you know, I'm used to New York, it'll be like 78, And there'll be people walking around in pants. I'm like, you know, and they wear pants all the time. And every time I put a pair of pants on, I'm sweating. I'm like, how do these people walk around in pants? I'm dying over here. But the weather's great. It's really a beautiful island. Uh, A lot of people really have misconstrued concept of the place. Like I've had numerous friends, and you know, some other people that I talk to. Oh, is it safe? Is it this? Is it that? I'm like, listen, you got a real misconception of this place. You know, I said, I've, and you, you know, I'm not the shy type if I don't like what somebody does. And I've been going there for uh, two years and I haven't had words with anybody. Like, not a person have I had words with. And it's almost like live and let live. You do you, I do me. Nobody's looking into your backyard. Nobody's sticking their nose in your business. And it's real, like a laid back culture and it's not just like the island culture it's even you know the latin culture is just like hey okay not all this stress like I remember when my friend we went into a store and I was you know just moving quick in the store and she goes we're not in a rush I'm like what do you mean she goes we're not in a rush I said I'm not in a rush she goes but yeah I said I don't understand she goes you're like running I said I don't know I'm not in a rush and then I thought about it, I was like, that's just how it is. Like in the, I don't know, you just, everything just moved quick. Like, and now like I'm a little slower about things cause I'm not in a rush and so it's good. easier almost mentally. It's even easier. You know what I mean? You just take your time and all right. And that's why like everybody jokes around, like, you know, Puerto Ricans are late. They are late, but they're also not like I gotta be there that tense, you know? And, yeah, It's not just like if you're the person there and the other person comes late, it's not a big deal. Like, all right, you're here now. And it's just like a really laid back sort of way about it. The culture, the people, the environment, you know, it has a hecticness. People drive crazy there just like everywhere else. But I remember the first time I drove, my friends, like, you know, they drive crazy. I was like, uh, I've been driving in Brooklyn. I think I'll be all right here. You know, <laughs> So for me, it was nothing.
0: Yeah. Um. Oh, where was I going to go there? Completely completely blanked. Oh, I was going to say, so uh, I don't know if you've experienced this when you fly back in New York, but I've had that when I've flown back into Sydney, relaxed from a holiday, and then you walk into the airport and there's people running around and they're stressed and they're angry and you're like, what are you doing?
1: It like breeds it. Like yeah. I know for the last at least 20 years, at least 20 years, and whenever I would go on vacation, I would come back and I would, you know, the, most of the uh, airport, the airport I go to all the time, you basically take the highway and you get off the highway. And to go to my neighborhood, you see this mall. And it's, for like 20 years, I would see the mall and say, oh, what am I doing here? Yeah. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And it's just, like, it, the whole environment breeds that. Like, that guy cuts you off, so that guy cuts you off. And he's going like this, and that guy goes like this. And it just manifests itself to this crazy... Yeah, I don't like it. No, me <laughs>
0: neither. Now, you talked about uh, not having to have words. You grew up in a pretty tough part of the world in Brooklyn. What What did you experience as a youngster in terms of, like, uh, violence, aggression, anything else that, like, made life challenging for a young fella?
1: See, I didn't know it was challenging. I thought it was normal. You had fights sometimes. Yeah. You you get into words, and if you get into a disagreement, you put your hands up.
0: And was that pretty standard for families across the board?
1: Uh, it was for all the kids I hung out with in the neighborhood. We we yeah. have you'd have fights, people fought, and I didn't even fight as much as some other guys fought all the time. Yeah, and you know that's how it was. You know, for me growing up, and you know nothing crazy. I always fight with your hands. You know, not till I got older did things start getting a little squirrely. But when you're young and, you know, grammar school and everything, it's fight with your hands. Nobody gets a you know, a couple of shots here or there, nothing crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, like you, you go through that sort of experience, does that sort of play out in your adult years? And, and if so, what? what well, what it plays out
1: is I've talked to numerous friends of mine now and I'm almost 50. My friends are all about the same age. And it's probably like every other generation. We look at the new generation, we're like, you know? Yeah. But one thing that we all seem to agree on is a lot of people, back to the responsibility, aren't responsible for their words. And I'm really talking about men, you know, women, whatever. I don't, I don't go, you know, not your your place. Man, yeah. I, when I grew up, just from, you know, growing up, you're responsible for your words, meaning if you said something to somebody that was insulted didn't like, you may have to fight them. So you're responsible. You're responsible for your words, meaning that if you said something to the wrong guy and he didn't like it, you might have to fight. Yeah. And younger generations and even people that I met that are my age, but from like different parts of New York, they just used to mouth them off. Like they just talk and, you know. I've had guys at work where, like, they'd talk, 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 and I'd be like, listen, I'm gonna watch what you say to me. Like, well, I don't know what you think here, but I'll smack, you know, like, you don't talk to me now. Like, I don't know what you're used to doing, but you're not going to talk to me that way. And if you say you can and I say you can, okay. Yeah. And that's how we grew up. And I find people aren't like that, but then – there's the other side of me says that it's sort of nice that people don't resort to violence either. Yeah. So it's, you know yeah. what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know we've talked about this a bit. It's it's what's on the other side of it, right? So, you know, you've you you you've said to me, you know, you can get results and you can get people to, to shift their behavior. But That's
1: the problem. That's the problem with yeah. violence. It works. And I know that may sound horrible, but it does. And when I found my biggest problem was trying to teach my son, where I know violence works when this kid in school's bothering you and if you punch him in the face, he ain't going to bother you no more. But that was when I realized, like, that I don't want to tell my son that. Like, just because, you know, that's what I think. It don't mean you want to pass that on. And that's when I started realizing maybe something's wrong here. Yeah. You know what I mean? but yeah. it is hard when you have an issue that you know you do everything right you know you my son at the time and one of the things he was like maybe seven so tell the teacher the kids bothering you tell the lunch lady you know and I did you do yes 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 nobody according to him nobody's doing nothing so now in my head I'm like do, do I tell him what I really think but you know do I want to <laughs> bestow that on him, that violence is the answer at seven, and does he carry that the rest of his life, which I don't think is healthy. So, even in my own search for a better way than violence, I almost searched for that just to teach my son something that I didn't know, because I didn't want to teach him when I knew.
0: So, what did you teach him?
1: Well, I tried to teach him a lot of things we talked about, that you don't have to use violence to be strong and be a man you could you know i was also taught in my family like you know a man doesn't let anybody disrespect them and if they do they do something about it i was taught that very clearly very clearly and i try to teach my son that you could you don't have to hit somebody to get them to understand that that's not the way you want to be treated I and i it. told him you know looked him in the eye you tell them very honestly and directly i don't like that and i want you to stop and i said if you do that you don't hopefully we don't have to resort to violence to get somebody to stop doing what is bothering you
0: yeah, and and I'd love for you to share because this is one of the reasons I would, I really wanted to get you on and I, I appreciate you uh, stepping up to this.
1: Yeah, um, you know I don't really like telling people things like this.
0: You know that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I'm a one on one
1: guy, buddy. You know that, Ian. I'm yeah. a one on one guy.
0: Yeah. This is just me and you having a chat, mate. No one else here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I, I wanted to to if you could share the story where you you had an altercation where in the past it could have got it out of hand pretty quickly, yeah, but you used, a, you used a different method, similar to what you described sharing with your with your boy and how Like yeah. even you were blown away with the result.
1: Well, we were actually, you know, we worked together a couple times. This was uh, pretty sure it was like the second time we were working together and we were working on, you know, standing in your power, being in your power, you know, you always, I don't know, Again, what I was taught it was around is if you didn't stand up for yourself, you were a wimp. you were other words. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the worst things to be. So me and you were working on that, getting past that idea in my head that, like, if that guy says it, I got to Tell him, like, you know, I got it. Yeah. So I was trying to get past that, that even if you have to, which you don't even have to say anything mo- a lot of times, you can just. it's not that important. But it doesn't make you... My work was not to make me feel like I was backing down in a negative way. I could back down in a positive way being be like, positively, yeah, that's... What an idiot, whatever. Where if I did that in the past, I'd be like, oh, good, you did. You backed down. You went weak. You know, and you can't do that. So when we were working, I went to a concert with a, you know, a bunch of guys. You know, we went to a concert. It was uh, Green Day, believe it or not. And, uh, I'm not the biggest Green Day fan. I wasn't, but I got to tell you, the concert was good. That lead singer there guy, uh, Joey yeah, did. <laughs> he put on yeah. a good show. <laughs> he, can. So he, he really did. He really worked the crowd, and I was impressed. I was. And I got a new appreciation for them. But uh, they started like a mosh pit, you know, like from years ago. I don't know, where every, the guys, you know, you, it's usually guys where they just bang yeah. into each other. Boom, boom. boom yeah. Boom. Yeah so one of my friends was in there i don't know exactly what he did you know what i mean i was watching the concert and i see him walking back towards us and uh there's like four security guards like coming after him like you know and he's walking and but they're like tru, tru, tru. so i'm standing there and i see him coming then i see the security guards i'm like what the hell's going on here so i step in the middle and in the past me stepping in the middle i would have done it very aggressively because that's what I thought you have to do to get them from stopping. So I didn't aggressively. I just stood there, and I went, guys, easy, easy. What's going on? There's nothing. He's fine. What are we doing? I don't remember exactly what I said, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I remember I wasn't aggressive. I wasn't nasty. I wasn't loud. I didn't curse. And for some reason, this is why it stayed with me. The four security guards just stopped in front of me. So my friends behind me. And I don't know exactly what I said to like the main guy. And after like a couple of minutes, they were like, ah, you know, and I don't really know exactly what I said. Like I said, it was a lot of, but I know I wasn't aggressive. I know I wasn't nasty. I was nice, you know, but I I wasn't like, ah, I was yeah, you know, you were strong. Yeah. And it stuck with me because I was like, wow, that, that, that why did those guys stop? They could have just pushed right through me. Like I'm not, you know, the biggest guy in the world. I'm a little, but I was huge and they didn't, and it stuck with me. And I told you that story. Cause that's when we were working together. Like yeah. it was something good to remember that that can happen without being violent or aggressive or loud or nasty. And. That helped me. Like now, when my son has an issue, I tell him, You could say it, you could stand, you know, be confident, you know, but you could tell him nicely, like, Listen, I don't like that. Because, you know, my son's 10, kids like to tease. Yeah. And he's not really like, you know, I don't think kids pick on him, but some kids like to break each other's chops. And my son doesn't really like that. So I'm really working on him. You tell the kid, Hey, I told you I don't like it. You stay over there, I'll stay over here. But just, I don't like it. And I'm trying to teach him to do that. And from that experience, it works. I don't know how it worked. I still don't really know how it worked.
0: <laughs> well, the thing that stuck with me was that you, you described another scene where, where you found yourself standing up in a particular, I think it was a waiting room or something, and you said people just changed instantly. But the problem was afterwards, you felt, you felt a bit down about the fact that you'd had to resort to that, whereas this experience... Where you stood your power? Yeah,
1: yeah. I've acted yeah. aggressive to, in my mind at the time, stand my ground or not let somebody treat me the way I didn't want to. And I've been I've been aggressive many times, and it gets a result. But after the result, I would always well, not always, but as I got older, I would stop feeling worse and worse about it. Yeah. Like I guess almost guilty about it, and it was nice that this happened. There was no guilt. I didn't do anything that I was disappointed in myself for. And that's why I was saying before, like violence works, but it doesn't mean that you should do it. Just like being aggressive to get somebody to respect your boundaries works a lot of times, but it doesn't mean it's what is a good thing to do because that person, I might aggressive, they might be like, what a jerk. And they leaves their head and the guilt stays with me yeah and that's not good yeah and i still work with that believe me there's times with somebody you know oh oh you know but i you know i try i still happen sometimes (laughs) yeah but you 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 know you try yeah i i try yeah not as aggressively and
0: and I, th- I think it's in- that's important for everyone to remember is that we don't get it perfect, but we have strategies to that we can. If it happens, yeah, we can. It's okay.
1: a work in progress. I've telling my kids for years, I'm not perfect. Don't let yeah. me know. I'm going to tell you in advance. Your father's not perfect. I don't think anybody's perfect. I said, but I try. I have my good moments and i have bad moments, but I'm trying. I'm trying to do better.
0: Yeah. And the thing that really stuck with me was like, you go from that place of like you said, the feeling guilt and you're feeling worse as you get older, to you said this experience actually left you feeling pretty fantastic because it was like, wow.
1: Felt really good. Like it was a very new experience to me in that way. (laughs) Yeah. It was good and I try to remember that when it happens. But you know, sometimes your emotion triggers like, you know, like I even tell my kids, I'm not perfect and I'm human. Sometimes my anger will kick in before my brain says, hey, you're being angry, chill out. You know, I don't, you don't catch it all the time. You just, I don't. I don't know about other people, but I don't catch it all the time.
0: Oh, no. I think we're, we're all human and we have those moments. Yeah, like, that's just, that's just but part I'm of it.
1: Trying the... to make them feel and far. And, you know, I read a lot of things and it's always like, you know, take a few seconds. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. If you catch it to know to
0: take a few <laughs> seconds. Exactly. But if
1: you don't even think about the few seconds till 10 seconds after, like, it's that feeling you know that i literally when i get angry and annoyed i get hot i feel heat like my chest starts getting hot i think i even get like flush and i try like especially with like if i get annoyed with my kids you know I listen i've yelled i don't ever hit my kids but i've raised my voice and sometimes my voice is a little too much for them and they'll cry just from my you know yelling at them but not like you know raging but and I don't like it afterwards. I feel guilty every time.
0: Yeah. So
1: one of the strategies I do is if I feel that, I try to get out of there. Like, you know, walk. Yeah. I got to go like, just let me get, I got to get out of here because now I can catch myself. But if I stay close, I'm like, you know, you want to say something you're like yeah. And you're like trying to run away because your mouth, you know, you're dying to say something. Yeah. You know, so that's one of my strategies is to walk away but I would like to even get a better one than that, which is feel it. Take those seconds because I I found, you know, when I look over my life and everything, when you're aggressive and angry and yelling, nobody hears you, man. Nobody hears you. And it's very easy for them to dismiss you as wrong. And I started putting this together. Like every time I have a, you know, an argument, say with a family member or a girlfriend, you know, somebody close. If I keep my calm, I'm usually pretty good and they start stampering and stumbling. But once I get annoyed, all of a sudden I'm the bad guy, no matter what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. So even with the kids, if I'm yelling, they're not hearing me. No. They, they might be scared of this and that, but they're not hearing me.
0: You 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: people that way, anywhere, if you, Yell at the guy in the car, hey, move your car. He's like, ah, forget you. But if you said, hey, buddy, you know, I can't get by. Could you help me out? Maybe that works better. Yeah. Doesn't well, always. Just sitting, it... Wait a minute. Where am I going? We're back to the rush. I'm not in a rush. Where am I going?
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, I, I, if I could add to that, is like the removing yourself from the situation is a great strategy. And what that allows you to do is focus on the breath, right? Which, which is the such breath a thing. Key... I got
1: to remember too, because the breath works. Yeah. Again, but you gotta I gotta remember it because but now my emotions are kicking in. Like I ain't I'm not thinking about breathing, you know, that's not what I'm But I'm not thinking about anything, but like you whatever's telling them annoying me, I wanna tell them that they're annoying me. Like I want you to know. <laughs> and I want you to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm pissed. Well, I don't know if that's a thing people use, it's like the yeah, no yeah. way, I'm pissed off. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to know, and man, I want you to stop. Like that's you know I want you to stop because I'm getting I'm getting madder and madder just you know stop.
0: Yeah, oh mate. I know lots of men will be able to relate to exactly what you're talking about, and it's like it's just screaming to be heard. We we have this natural emotion of anger that comes to the surface. We have to express. I don't know it. how
1: natural mine is because I've given mine a lot of thought. Now I'm going to tell you why I grew up in an environment that that was the answer. Yeah. And not everybody grows up like that. And you could also go both ways. I have a friend of mine that was yelled at a lot. And they don't yell because they learned, you know, when somebody does wrong in your family growing up with, you could learn what to do. But you could also take a negative and learn what not to do. Now, I didn't learn what not to do. I learned what to do. that was you know to be heard you had to yell and scream to be heard and that's not what to do you know what I mean so yeah. I don't think it came natural to me I'm always told by my family I was a happy kid and everything and blah 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 and in the environment I was in that's how you got heard because if you were nice about it you just you got ran roughshod over you
0: yeah and so when i say natural like you said that 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 sort of reaction is not necessarily natural because it's learned but the actual feeling the need to feel all of our emotions including anger is the natural part and then as you say that's when the the patterns of a lifetime come uh bursting to the surface whether we like it or not now you said also in that in your upbringing that you experienced different uh People in your world struggling with addiction. How did that then impact you as you grew up? Like, did did you have an addictive personality? Did you go the opposite? Sort of what played out?
1: I'm not sure if addiction that might come naturally, but I don't think it's something. It's more personality traits. Yeah, I've had very close people with problems with addiction around me, from friends to family to relationships. I, I really ran the gamut. I actually thought yep. Once I Should Write a Book About It. That's how many freaking people I knew. You're and right. But just different branches that were very different, you know what I mean? Yep. And uh, what's hard about it is they pick their addiction over you every time. And if that's in your family, that's tough in certain circumstances because the addictions come first. Whatever it is, alcohol, drugs, gambling, whatever you want to call it, that will always come first over anybody if they're a true addict. And as a child, that's you're supposed to feel like you come first. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. So I don't know if I, you know, sometimes I'd like that. I gravitate towards people like that. But then I had a really good friend of mine that I knew since I'm six. So it's not like I picked him at six. Yeah. It could be that way. Then maybe a relationship. I one of my relationships, I think I was trying to fix them because I couldn't fix the person in my family. So that might have been the reason for it. You know. But yeah, that affects you. You don't feel like you're heard. You don't feel like you're important because you're not. Because whatever they're addicted to is coming first. Hella yeah. high water, hooker by crook. And as a child, that's not a great feeling to have that feeling. At least it wasn't for me.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting that the, the addictions linked to the to the anger, right? Because it's you getting heard in a in a place in a setting where you're right. typically if you not
1: here. nobody heard you. Yeah, yeah. If you were mm-hmm. nice about it, it was like shit. Who even you know? You didn't get what yeah. you wanted. Yeah. You know, you didn't get your your way. You weren't heard. If you were nice about it, you got nothing. Not with everybody, but you know, in my immediate yeah yeah well, i hope they don't watch this but <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we'll we'll screen it from them um
1: uh, it's only well, in australia mate they won't say it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well played the, the thing is uh is that all families have these different things that have gone on uh all different like we're all addicted to something and it just shows up in different ways so we, you know, we there's can get caught.
1: There's healthy addictions and unhealthy addictions.
0: Yeah, well, I think everyone, everyone's addicted to something that's not particularly healthy. Well, not to say forever, but that they've they've grown up with something. I remember reading. If uh, you're addicted to
1: growing flowers, it's tough to say that's so bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's
0: true. You know? yeah, but, but, but if, if it's, you're um,
1: addicted to drugs and you're high as a kite all the time, it's easy to say, that ain't so hot, that ain't so good. <laughs> Uh, you're True. drunk all the time. That ain't so good. You're nasty. Uh, that's not so good.
0: Unless you're in the garden and you're meant to be looking after children. So, yeah. No, yeah. you got
1: a point there. That's a, <laughs> you, you got a point with that if you absolutely ignore them and then it is a negative. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. Anything, everything has to be a balance and in excess, nothing's good in excess. Yeah. Food, whatever. It's never Except good maybe
0: Loving, right? So... You said uh, at 21 you had brain surgery, which was a fairly significant impact of your life. So, tell me, like, was it suddenly like you you collapsed, or was there no, was there signs going like on?
1: I was actually driving at the time with my girlfriend. I remember like it was yesterday. I'm driving at the time, and I see this black flash in my vision. Boom, boom. And I'm like, you see that? She's like, no. I'm like, you don't see that. And it's getting like more and more of my vision, like taking over my vision. And I'm like, you don't see that? She's like, no. And luckily, I put the car in park because I was driving down the street. Yeah. And then I'm told I kicked into a seizure because I woke up in the hospital. Wow. And they did some tests after that. And what I had was what they call the beauty mark on my brain which was causing blood in my brain. It wasn't genetic or anything. I just had it. <clears throat> And then they put me on some medicine, and uh, the problem was that first seizure, I lost a little peripheral vision. So they put me on medicine, and then a few months later, I had another seizure, and then I lost more peripheral vision. So like when I'm looking at you, I can see my finger, but this is all black. This this quadrant's black. So they decided they needed to go get it, because if I keep having seizures, I don't know, when am I going to wind up blind? Wow. So they went in i was in college i was like a senior and they had to go in my head and get it out and prior to that i wanted to be a businessman and i was going to be a banker and i was going to work seven days a week 15 hours a day and i wanted money 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 that's all i wanted to do yeah and then once i had the brain surgery it definitely put a different perspective on things i didn't even want to work like, I didn't. I remember being a senior in college, you know, your last big business class, and the teacher's like, Yeah, did you do your resume? Everybody, done. I'm like, No. And she's like, What do you mean? I'm like, I didn't do it. She goes, Why not? I said, Because I don't want a job. She goes, Well, yeah, I'm four years of college. I'm like, I don't want a job. So, no, I have no resume and I'm not doing it because I ain't going to use it. And after college, I Believe it or not, I moved in with one friend of mine at another college because he took four and a half years. So I lived with him for six months at another college. And then I just did odds and end jobs. And then I had like this crappy job in a suit. It was horrible. Then I worked in Florida for a while. And then I wound up getting a union job, you know, in, the, for this, you know, in New York. Yep. So it definitely changed the whole direction of my life in my mind because I was going this way and I went that way.
0: Yeah, well the interesting thing is is that I I look at the conversations we had much later and you were at the same sort of thought. You don't you you want to work as little as possible. So you you continued to find ways as you got older to bring in passive income. Yeah, bring in passive income. Which which Well, I I didn't even
1: think about it or get into it till I was over forty.
0: Yeah. But you must have been thinking about it. You must have been thinking about like different ideas though in that time.
1: Yeah, and then I wound up buying, you know, my first piece of real estate, you know, that wasn't for me to live in, and, you know, just doing things after that, yeah, businesses, this, that, whatever.
0: Yeah. What is the joy you get from from those experiences when you're actually able to do deals and and create a bit of magic where, you know, most, most people aren't sort of in there doing that sort of thing?
1: Well, I had a job that I felt no sense of accomplishment. Yeah. It wasn't satisfying to me. I didn't feel accomplished. I didn't feel like I was, you know, doing anything spectacular. And when I first my bought my first house, I did get that rush of, oh, my, wow, I did it. Because it's not easy, especially, you know, I'm not talking, I'm coming from a lot of money, at least not a lot of cash either. I'm, yeah. you know, ham and egg and just trying to piece it together with loans and this and that. And after the first one, I liked it. And then the second one, you know, and then I got into it. Like it was like, it was like the, the hunt to find it, find the one that you think, and then do you rent it? Are your rents more than, you know, your numbers and things like that. And then I even did a brick and mortar place that didn't work out with COVID, but I had, I lost money, but I had a nice experience seeing if I could do it. And I did. And there was some, a lot of self-satisfaction for me in that, A lot actually.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And how important has that been in your later years to to have that satisfaction when, like you said, you're in a job that wasn't giving you any of it?
1: it it's the job, but it's also I don't like working for anybody. Yeah. And that was being your own boss, per se. I like that, you know, and I have partners and I would always talk to friends of mine get their ideas so it wasn't about that I had to do it my way but I didn't like like a boss like it, it, there's only so far you could get if you have somebody above you yeah and then when you work for yourself there is no limit and you know my job I reached my peak pay besides uh inflation raises after 3 years there that's pretty quick to hit your
0: peak yeah right
1: you know what I mean and yeah. I, I work for myself, the The limit is just what I'm willing to risk. Yeah. And I like that part about it, and I like making my own schedule and making my choices, and I live with them, good or bad. I made some successes, some failures. Yeah. But, you know, that's part of the process.
0: Yeah. But I'm, I get I'm, a lot
1: of fulfillment out of doing my own thing. I do.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. That was one of the motivators for me is, like, like I, I can't actually – control my I can't control my future direction here because like you said it's capped yeah so f- for me the not it's not just a, a financial thing with, no. with the with the being capped it's like wanting to to create different change or be able to implement different things that might give you some of that
1: fulfillment
0: there's just so, so many restrictions in the
1: learning process like I knew my job really well after three years. What do you do for the next twenty? You're not learning much, and your brain—you almost get like stagnant. You know, you're not like food for your brain. And I like when I got to think of angles and things. And you know, I'm always now. I'm always thinking. Like I have uh, two separate ideas for Puerto Rico right now in my head. You know what I mean? Like little businesses. You know, I'm. It's just you know because you could take things you've seen other places and then you go there and you're like they don't have that here so the concepts you know can translate to over there especially if it's not there brilliant
0: mate I've, I've got to get on get that on my list of getting over there because every time you talk about it I'm like oh it's, Bro, there's it's... a
1: river we went to we went to a river the other day and it was nice on the bottom it's a waterfall real nice water but we decided to hike up and go on top of the waterfall. There was nobody up there but the four of us. We found a little slide. We're jumping off of rocks into the river. We found a vine we're swinging off of. We went yeah. from here to, here to here It was like out of a movie where I was, man. It was like out of a movie. That's and what it if sounds you come, like. I bring you there. You're going to be like. And then there's a beach that it's also like out of it's... You're in a cave in the ocean. The ocean's coming in one side of the cave and you're standing in, in the cave and the water's – I don't know. I've never seen stuff like that, man.
0: And you that's need just your Yeah, right. You need a, a tour service as well. That's another business well, idea. My <laughs>
1: friend there, she knows – she's into like the outdoors and the beaches and the rivers. So I think I was – the other day we were talking. I think I've been to like 11 rivers already, man. And she's probably been to 40. She laughs. She goes, maybe more because there's some I went to we'll never go to because they're just not fun. Yeah. And she's like, there's so many more. Because, you know, there's a lot of rivers and it's just different sections of the river. And, you know, you hear about, oh, you could go to that section and it has this, that, and this, you know.
0: Fantastic. I like that. Yeah. Now, fast forward. Oh, actually, just coming back to the, the brain surgery, yeah apart from apart from uh you not necessarily wanting to get a job after that did it change like did you notice the capacity of your brain to change as well
1: uh, i noticed my temper got shorter interesting yeah there's no doubt about that you know i i don't know if it could be the brain surgery or maybe a little bitterness of why this happened to me Yeah. and unfortunately for me uh Less than a year after I had brain surgery, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I got stabbed. Yeah, I don't even know. I might have told you, but I got stabbed with an ice pick twice, playing basketball in a park that there were six of us there, and these kids didn't want us in their park. And they jumped us, and I mean a lot of them, and three of us got stabbed. Uh, And I wound up, you know, pretty bad at all, holding my liver, holding my kidney, my collapsed lung. You know, thank God I was young, I got better. But I think all that together, I also broke up with a girlfriend I had in college for three years that I really cared about that year. Uh, The addiction in my family flared up again that year. So I I don't know if it was the actual surgery or like just all those kind of things. But I know in my 20s, I was definitely, definitely a lot short-tempered than I was in my middle and late teens. There's no doubt about that.
0: Mm. It's the residual effect. Like I fly
1: off the handle, like you know. I'm always nice. If you're nice to me, I, I never bother nobody. I don't pick on nobody. But if I think you do something that I view, see, because I'm not even saying I was right. Maybe the people weren't not being nice. But if I viewed it as not nice, I just you know, like, oh, you know, right away. And have no problem with. It. I didn't feel no guilt in my twenties. I didn't stop feeling guilty to my thirties and forties. I yeah. thought I was doing what I the right thing.
0: It's the the residual grief of different incidences that keep playing out again and again and again until you deal with them. And you said another one of those was when you then uh, when your daughter had to have brain surgery. That was, so that was the worst yeah, two was, weeks of your life. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah that was the. Uh... I mean, what are the odds of that? You know what I mean? I have brain surgery and uh, I remember I went. It was a couple of years ago and I was up at a, There's a famous racetrack, horse racetrack in New York called Saratoga. Yeah. And I remember I wanted to go. Nobody wanted to go. So I went by myself. I drove up there. I went to the track. I stayed overnight and I was coming back. I didn't feel like driving. It wasn't that far, but I just stopped somewhere to stay. And I got a call from my mother. She's like, yeah, her hand was tingling. This was like a Wednesday, I think. Maybe a Thursday. Thursday. Her hand was tingling. I don't know. We brought it to and I'm like, the tingling, you know, the brain, the stroke thing. And uh, she's like, yeah, we brought it to the hospital, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. It was like late. I was like, all right, I'll be there tomorrow morning. And uh, they sent my daughter for an MRI. Then they wanted the MRI with contrast, which I've had, which I know is a bad thing because they see something that they got to be sure. And it was surreal. Like, you know, I'm like, what? it can't be like it can't be. And she had to have brain surgery, but different problems. She had a tumor in her cerebellum and I had something on the surface of my brain. So they're not associated with each other. Yeah. And just, you know, they came and told us she had the tumor. I'm really Doing a good job here because usually I can't talk about this more than about 10 seconds without getting very upset. Yeah. And um, we went Staten Island and they moved us to a really good hospital in the city. And like I said, I got that call Thursday. I was in a hospital in Staten Island on Friday. We moved to Manhattan on Saturday. I think Monday was a holiday and she had the surgery Tuesday. So they didn't play like it was like boom, 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 boom. And it took her a while to come out of it, man. It took her a while. It
0: must have been been awful having that waiting.
1: Yeah, it's it's awful. There's not a word I know that could explain it to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's similar to like I used to always tell people when they were going to have a child. I used to tell them, no matter what I tell you, I can't explain it to you until you see your, you see your child. Yeah. As you might have some nieces and nephews you are like, great. And you might have your friend. I said, but until you lay eyes on your child for the first time, yeah. I don't have words to explain it. You got to just do it for yourself. For most people. I mean, yeah. there's some special people that probably could care less, but those are psychotic, crazy bastards. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I don't have words to explain that as a parent watching your child have to do that. I And I I told you this before. I genuinely, the person that I dislike most in this world, which I'd have to think about because I usually just move past them, I wouldn't wish that on nobody, man. That is just so brutal. You you couldn't as a, not even a decent human being, just as a person. It is the worst feeling in the world, completely helpless. It's your child and you can't do nothing about it. It was awful, man. It was two weeks. She came out of it. She might have came out of it like nine days after. And the whole process was like two weeks of just complete blur, man. Me and her mother, she would sleep up there one night. I would sleep another night. We just went back and forth. I don't even know what happened those two weeks. I know I was there and then not there one night. And there, not there. That's all I know. And it was real rough for a bit. But then she got better and she's good now. I mean, I don't know how that changed me, but I know I'll, I don't like thinking about it. <laughs> I'll tell you that, boy. Yeah. And she's good, you know. She's going to college and everything. She does well. and But it's just something, you know. I guess maybe it, I've always had empathy for children. And, you know, you hear about a parent that, you know, God forbid, loses a child. But what I went through, I can't even imagine the next step. I don't know how people could survive that because I almost feel like I didn't survive this. Like mm. I was, I was teetering. There was nothing wrong with me. I wasn't, you know. She was going through it all, not me. I didn't do nothing. But I was, I teetered, man. It was, it was it's, tough. It was. Yeah, tough.
0: It, I think anyone who's had a child and and had not experience anything like doesn't even have to be as bad as that. Like you, like uh, it's that it's that helplessness that you described because usually you can be in control but this is like completely out, outside of your
1: control completely that I remember that surgeon it was this she was like Swiss or Sweden I don't know man you know but it was this woman surgeon and it was like God walked in the room when she walked in because I don't know whatever she did I had a lot of confidence in her, the way she talked or whatever and when she would walk I like yes you know yeah. Even one time when my daughter wasn't getting better for like a week, I, after about a week, I started bugging out. Like I was like, you know, go get some people here. I said, you people are telling me you're giving her these pills. And I said, I want advocates. I started getting like, you know, get the public advocate and I was getting crazy. And they went and got her to talk to me. Like they, I don't know how they knew, but they knew and they went and got her and she came, she goes, remember, you know, I was like, all right, all right, all right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, like two days later, she snapped out of it. Wow. Yeah.
0: Um, what she brought, that energy, was similar Whatever to what you she did.
1: Yeah. I felt very confident right away. I don't know. I don't know how she did it, but she did it. And she was a very nice lady. She seemed to like being dear that my daughter was young. Like, even the guy, one of the guys that did the surgery, she was like, Yeah, she made sure we made a tiny, tiny incision as small as possible. She was sweet with my daughter. Yeah, she was she was the best. I don't awesome. Yeah. Um she was like, she even told me like uh she had a child and uh you know, husband, she was married and she was like, Yeah, my husband always takes the child the night before surgery. She takes the I forget if it was a boy or a girl, but she told me, like, yeah, he dinner and everything, and I get complete, I'm like, well, I could, like, look like he's even helping to make sure, like he even sees yeah. what she's doing. Cause she only yeah. work on kids. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really good. God bless your husband, too. God bless her, a husband, a kid, everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like really cool. I I wish I could tell you her name, man. I don't maybe that I don't know what that says about me, but I can't remember her name, but I remember her face. Yeah.
0: Well, I think what it says about you is that you were you were dealing with a massive trauma and and you're not remembering those sort of details but you don't ever forget how someone like that allows you to feel right.
1: She was she was wonderful. Like Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was wonderful. Angel. And she fixed my daughter.
0: Amazing. Um I guess the, the thing that I'm drawn to is that you say you before you didn't, you don't understand what that is and you don't understand what that energy that you were bringing when, when you had those security guards stop, but it, it's a similar thing. It's like what, what we bring to the table shows up before us. That's why we can work in, walk into a room and, and um, we can get into, like a feel for, Oh, there's something not good here. Or, or this is really a warm place. It's, it's the energy that precedes us, which is, which is the key part. and, And I love that through your your own story and then through someone else's, how there's a
1: lot you can feel people's energies. Like,
0: yeah,
1: if you pay attention to it, and I started doing that the last few years, there's people that could walk in, you get a bad people. Some people call it a vibe, you call it a feeling, whatever. I think they're all very similar. Some people walk in, you get a a good feeling, yeah, and then other people walk in, and I for me, I get not a good feeling. I'm like, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, I don't know if it's an energy vibe or feel, whatever you want to call it. But I think if you look for it, I think a lot more of us could feel it if we paid attention to it.
0: Yeah. I, I get, always get a good feeling whenever I speak to you. So I, I thank you so much for coming and sharing. All right, Before... yeah,
1: listen, I'm already on the podcast, all right? You know, you don't got to convince me to do it. I'm already here.
0: <laughs> no, I'm being like, I, know, like, I like you said you to promise, me, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it unless it was no, the truth. I trip. know you
1: wouldn't. I'm teasing you. I appreciate it. I really do. <laughs> I, I
0: before I, I do want to touch on uh, a real positive in your life as we start to wrap up, and this is something you've talked about when we've when we've had our sessions, but also you mentioned before we jumped on is just how influential your grandpa was for you in a positive. Uh, you're, gonna make,
1: you're trying to upset me again. You're like that guy. What is? what's that? Larry King. You ever see? Uh, you ever see yeah. Jerry Maguire?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, you ever see? And he's like, "You're not gonna do it. You're not gonna make me cry." It's not Larry King, I forget. Yeah, my grandfather was big for me, man. He was, uh, he was always there for me in my childhood. He was just always there. He always lived close. He was always around. He was just so selfless, and. He was the best. And he, he passed away when I was like 28. And, uh, you know, I, I try to get past regret. You know, I was in my 20s. I didn't spend a lot of time with him. I was running around, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I think about that sometime. But he was, you know, I have a hard time finding anybody that was as good as him in my life. He comes to my mind real quick and real fast and real at the top. He was the best. And he taught me, a lot of things about being a father. Like I remember he used to always take me to swim practice and it was maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes from my house. And so I remember I'd be, I call him Bob, Pop. Pop, you know, if you want to leave, it's all right. You know, come back. No, no, I'll wait. And he would just sit there and watch me swim. And I always was like, how does this guy do that for like an hour? And he just sitting there. And then it came back to me when, you know, my daughters, I have the twins, twin daughters, and I remember they were like at soccer, and I think I was getting antsy or something, and it came back to me, and I was like, just sit here, man, that's all, that's what you're supposed to do, sit and watch, that's it, that's it, and that, like, you know, I've gone to numerous things with my daughters, my son, I don't say nothing, I don't complain, I don't... I watch and I genuinely have an appreciation for it. But he influenced me just in that one aspect, you know, but the selflessness of him, where you put somebody else ahead of you, that was glaring. And that's not something you find a lot. I don't know. I don't, I haven't found that a lot in my life from a lot of people, but I sure as hell found it from him. And I try to do that with my kids. I think, you know, we talked about it. I think I did it to such an extent that I almost forgot about me. So yeah, right. Much. I went so far the other way and you know now I'm, I find the balance but yeah, yeah he was yeah. he was great man he was like when I grew up he was already retired so he was just always there, like he drove me to grammar school and we used to pick me up I remember he used to pick me up in grammar school I went to Catholic grammar school we had half a days on Wednesday I think this guy saw Star Wars like 10 times with me man But we would go to the movie theater down the block on Wednesday and he would go to the scene because I wanted to go and he'd go like, you know, you you start thinking of those things as you get older and you're like, man, this guy, so, you know, he probably didn't want to see Star Wars once. (laughs) And just stuff like that. He was just always gave me money to buy my first car. You know what I mean? Like if I sit here and think I probably could just come up rattle. I mean, he he was the one that bailed me out of jail the only time I got arrested. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) he was the one I cared about. And that's why I thought about the arrest. Like, I am, you know, my mother and father, my grandfather. I made a mistake when I was 20. I drove drunk, smacked up a couple of cars, whatever, I got arrested. All right, I'm up at school. I'm in jail. I get arrested. I got to get bailed out, you know, the next day. So I remember my mother and father walk in and I'm like, yeah, yeah and i'm not upset like you know yeah. emotionally i'm just like sorry and then uh my mother goes grandpa's here and i said grandpa I said what the hell did you bring him for <laughs> and she goes he's the one with the money yeah. and brother when i saw him boom i'm sorry i'm upset my mother and father was like yeah. Said, him. Yeah, yeah. He was the one. I felt like how I disappointed him. I was crushed that I had to tell him that. Crushed. And I was 20 at the time. So he was everything. He was everything. He was the best. He was everything. And yeah. I have a younger brother and younger sister and I guarantee you there's no doubt either one of them would be saying the same stuff I'm saying. Maybe different stories. Yeah. But the same thing. So I don't know how he was able to do it for all of us, but he did it. He did it. He did it.
0: Yeah, um, and it's so Im- it's so important for us to pause and remember those influential people in our life, and, and really uh, recognizing, he- even if we can't tell them, right? Just having that moment of, uh, well, I, I I believe they're listening anyway. So, but it's important for us personally to to pause and really remember and <laughs> it's celebrate. Funny,
1: that. the other day I was talking to my mother. We talk about my grandpa. My mother said something, and that is his daughter. And she said something. She goes, Well, he wasn't as nice all the time. And I said, Hey, now this is my, I'm talking to my mother, his daughter. I said, Hey, don't do that. This is how I think. We're going to leave it at that. Don't, don't do that. Don't talk about him like that. She's like this. She's like, I'm I said, I told you nicely. Don't do it. This is, don't do it. Yeah. Not his daughter, my mother. And I was like, Don't, don't do it. Don't yeah.
0: say it. Well,
1: go. Oh, you better yeah. move on, lady or whatever. Don't be talking about that man to <laughs> me.
0: And that might be just one of those things around grandparents as well. Right. Because they they don't have to worry about too much of the uh, of the more detailed parenting, but they can certainly bring bring. Well, he uh, was
1: cool. Like my grandfather, if we acted up, he'd leave. So he didn't have to deal with all the bad stuff. And he'd come back <laughs> in the morning, you know, but yeah. we yeah. Were also I know even as a kid. I was more conscious of my actions being, you know, being good when he was around. You know, I wasn't always perfect when he was around, but it was important for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I respect yeah, him a great deal.
0: Awesome. Um Jeremy, thank you so much for I'm coming. Hold on, on, buddy.
1: I don't have a desk in this house, so I just gotta make it work for whatever I'm sitting.
0: Yeah, I don't, good. I I don't
1: work at a desk, buddy. I don't work at a desk. <laughs>
0: i'm used to talking to you while you're lying down yeah
1: no, i'm in bed actually you can't tell it but i'm on the reverse of the bed it's after the couch or the bed that's where i do my best work bro oh, yeah. everything uh, done from my bed and couch forget it
0: we'll save that for a different podcast
1: <laughs> i'm talking about business guy come on <laughs> keep your mind clean this is a family uh podcast i thought <laughs>
0: um jeremy thank you so much for coming on thank sharing you brother story. i
1: appreciate it. it's the least i could do you've helped me out immensely i respect what you do and when you ask me you know i don't really like talking about like i don't mind talking to you one-on-one and the podcast thing i was like oh uh, <laughs> but for you you know it's the least i could do so
0: thank, thank you brother you. I, I, I appreciate I keep
1: it. a lot of things that uh we talked about are still with me
0: great to hear. Great, to hear great for you Thank you so I much.
1: Hi, mate. I Nobody else I can say it to. I got to throw it out a couple of times. You're the only Australian a, I know.
0: You've got a pretty good uh, Australian accent compared to most. Speaking of Australia, does your young fella still wear his, his uh, paramount Heels hat, hat? Yeah,
1: he's got his hat. He likes hats. But he's got some good head of hair, bro. A lot better than mine. <laughs> Mine's thin as hell. he got yeah. hair from his mother's side. He's got this thick head of hair. That guy will have hair till he's 80. And now he has it like long in the front and he's yeah. always like this.
0: Yeah. I'm Too like, cool.
1: oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. All right. We can talk forever, but let's wrap it up. Thank you again.
1: Uh, and, thank uh, you, my man. Good man. i right, be good brother. Later.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.